Today, on this Consecration Sunday, we're going to talk about sacrifice. It's, it's a word that we don't use a whole lot in our society today, other than to talk about, you know, like in baseball, you make a, a sacrifice bunt where the batter gets intentionally gets himself out so that another runner can advance or maybe even come all the way home. We also just celebrated Veterans Day, where we remember the sacrifices that our veterans make and the horrible things that they endure. Some of them even give their lives so others can be free. But to really understand sacrifice, we have to go a lot further back to a familiar and horrible story from Genesis chapter 22. Uh, Find, if you don't have your Bibles with you, find the blue uh, pew Bibles in front of you and open them up to Genesis 22. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now, Isaac was the son for whom Abraham and Sarah had waited so long. God, called, God had called Abraham when he lived in Ur, uh, which is where present-day Iraq is. Abraham had worshipped other gods his whole life, but God spoke to him and called him when he was 80 years old to leave his family and his home and his city and his country and go, pack up everything and go to another land that God would show him. And Abraham went. God promised him, I will give you a land of your own. I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky, and I will bless you so that through you all the families of the world will be blessed. Well, the the promise was a long time in coming. You see, Abraham and Sarah didn't have any kids, and another 20 years went by with no Kids. They kind of took things into their own hands and you know, Abraham had a child with uh, a servant girl. But Abraham and Sarah had no kids of their own. They even laughed at the idea. You know, I'm 100 years old. Sarah's 90. How on earth are we going to have a baby? And yet God was true to His promise. And she, you know, even though they had laughed at the idea, Baby Isaac was born. Isaac means he laughs because God got the last laugh. But then when Isaac was perhaps a teenager, God appeared to Abraham again. And we read there in verse 20, chapter 22, Then God said, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there. This story makes us ask the question, what kind of God would ask you to sacrifice your own child? I believe the story gives us a very clear answer about that. But to get to that answer, we have to go further back to where religion came from. 
And then look at what that has to do with the God of Abraham and our God. So, here's a real brief history of religion, courtesy of Rob Bell. Early on, when people began to grow crops for the first time, they began to realize that their survival depended on sun and water in the right amounts. Too much water and things wash away. Not enough, and plants die. Too much sun, and plants wilt. Not enough, and they also die. So people concluded, just by looking at these things around them, that they depended on unseen forces that they could not control for their survival. They started to believe that these forces are either on your side, or they're not. And how do you keep these forces, these gods, on your side? Well, the next time that you have a harvest, you take a portion of that harvest and you offer it on an altar as a sign of your gratitude. Because you need the forces, these gods, on your side. Now, imagine what happened when people would offer a sacrifice, but then it didn't rain or the sun didn't shine enough, or their animals still got diseases, or they couldn't have children. Obviously, they concluded they didn't offer, say it with me, enough. And so they offered more, and more, and more. Because religion, from the very beginning, had something built into it. Anxiety. You never knew where you stood with the gods. The gods are angry. The gods are demanding. If you don't please them, they will punish you by bringing calamity. That was their world. But what if things went well? What if it rained just the right amount and the sun shined just the right amount? What if it appeared that the gods were pleased with you? Well, then you'd need to offer thanks. But how would you know if you'd ever properly showed how, how grateful you were? How would you know if you'd offered enough thanks? If things went well, you didn't know if you'd been grateful enough. And if things didn't go well, clearly you hadn't done enough. Anxiety either way. Whether things went well or not, the answer was always Sacrifice more. Give more. Offer more. Because you never knew where you stood with the gods. And so, you'd offer part of your crop. You'd offer a goat. Maybe a lamb or a cow. Maybe a few cows. Everything escalated. Because in your anxiety to please the gods, you kept having to offer more. And what's the most valuable thing you could offer the gods to show them how serious you were about earning their favor? A child. Can you see why child sacrifice lurks on the edges of the Old Testament? It's where religion took you. To the place where you'd offer that which was most valuable to you. 
Now back to Abraham. Abraham had grown up worshiping those kinds of gods who demanded what was most valuable to you. And if you didn't give it, you would pay the price. So when God tells Abraham to offer his son, he isn't shocked. Because early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Abraham sets out and Scripture tells us he, reached, he reaches the place on the third day. So for three days, he and his servants and his son travel. Three days in which his son is as good as dead. Hmm. When they get to the mountain, what does Abraham say to the servants? He says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Wait a minute. Abraham is going to offer his son, right? That's what the story is about, isn't it? God telling Abraham to offer his son, and so he does it, or at least proves that he, w- that he would do it. Isn't that the point? But what Abraham says to his servants is that he's going to go offer his son and then he's going to come back with his son. Is there something else going on in this story? As they walk up the mountain, Isaac carries the wood on his back and Abraham carries the fire and the knife. Isaac asks Abraham where the sacrifice will come from. It sounds morbid because we think he's going to his death because his dad loves God so much. Doesn't that sound horrible? Rob El says he, he, a, a well-known preacher once told him that when his son was a teenager, he took his son up on a hill and read him this story and then told his son that he would always love God more than him. He told the story like it was an admirable thing he did to teach his son about devotion to God. Rob just wanted to throw up. <laughs> But Abraham has already hinted that something else is up. How does Abraham respond to Isaac's question? He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. What did he mean? Abraham gets ready to offer his son, but he doesn't because... God stops him. There's a ram caught in a thicket, which Abraham offers instead. End of story. Except that it isn't. An angel shows up and says that Abraham is going to be blessed and that through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. So back to the question. What kind of God would ask a man to sacrifice his son? The answer? Not this one. The other gods may demand your firstborn, but not this God. 
So, if God doesn't want Abraham to offer his son, then why the charade? Why the whole go and sacrifice? Why? Why? Maybe the drama is the point. Abraham knows what to do when he's told to offer his son because this is where religion always leads. So at first, this God appears to be like all the other gods. This story is like all the other stories about gods who are never satisfied. The first audience for this story would have heard this before. It would have been familiar. But then it's not. The the story takes a shocking turn that comes out of nowhere. This God disrupts the familiar story by interrupting the sacrifice. People listening to to the story would have gasped, what? This God stopped the sacrifice? Are you kidding? The gods don't do that. Worship and sacrifice was about you giving to the gods. But this story is about this God giving to Abraham. A God who gives? A God who provides? You see, this story isn't about what Abraham does for God. It's a story about what God does for Abraham. Amazing. Unbelievable. A God who doesn't demand anything but gives and blesses? And then, Abraham is told that God is just getting started. And that He's going to bless Abraham with such love and favor that through Abraham, everybody on earth will be blessed. This God isn't angry or demanding or unleashing wrath This God has intentions to bless everyone. Abraham is invited to trust, to believe, to live in these promises. This God is different from the gods that Abraham used to serve. This God promises and provides. He gives blessings and children and provides the Lamb for the sacrifice. A couple days ago, I read to Cassidy and Travis the story of Abraham and Isaac in the Jesus Storybook Bible, where every story whispers his name. And at the end of the story of Abraham and Isaac, it says, Many years later, another son climbed another hill with wood on his back. And this son would give himself as the sacrifice. Give the greatest present to God that has ever been given. What Abraham was asked to do, God has done. He's offered his only son. The creator of the universe took on flesh and bone. He lived as a servant, healing people, providing food for them, bringing good news. And then he offered himself up to suffer and die on a cross. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' sacrifice brought an end to all 
the sacrifices. The book of Hebrews talks over and over again about how much better Jesus is than all the prophets and the priests and even Moses and all those who came before, even greater than Abraham. We've just collected an offering and turned in our Consecration Sunday commitment cards. But you don't have to make an offering to get God on your side. He's already on your side. He's already dealt with your sin and your pain and your anxiety. He gave His only Son for you and for the world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. When you're rich, you have all that you need. You have more than you need. You have plenty to give away. You can use the blessings that you've received to bless others. From the very beginning... God intended to use Abraham and all of his descendants to bless all the families of the world. Abraham's blessing has reached you and me. God gives us His grace so that we can extend it to others. That's why Paul encourages us to excel in this grace of giving. We give not so that we can bargain with God to get Him on our side. We don't have to appease the wrathful gods. God is already on our side and has already blessed us more than we can imagine. And so we extend that blessing to others. We help those in need by giving them food, loaves and fishes, shelter, comfort, justice, love. Jesus said, don't store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures for yourselves in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We give to help others, not so we can get more later, but so that the world may be blessed here and now and in the future heard a quote recently that I just love, that heaven is where God is storing the earth's future. Heaven is where God is storing the earth's future. At the end of Revelation, the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven from God. All things are made new. God's kingdom and His will is God's kingdom comes. His will is done on earth as in heaven. There is no temple in the city. No place to give sacrifice. There's no sun or moon to worship like the pagans did. Because God Himself has come to live with His people. And seated on the throne is the Lamb who was slain and is alive again. Our church is named after Him. Emmanuel, God with us. The promise of Scripture is that God is with us. Not just here in this building, 
but here on this earth, in our community, in our nation, in our world, and in your heart and life. God wants to use your generosity to make a difference in the world. You can never outgive God, but you can give like Him from what He's given to what He's given to and forgiven you. Amen.